Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Examination Podcast, where we examine every book featuring Krakoa's finest. This week, we'll be covering the ninth issue of Marauders and the eighth issue of Excalibur. Uh, my name is Quentin Emler. Joining me this week is Dane Rainier. As always, here I am. And Kelsey Strutz. Hello. All right, well, we like to start things off by looking at the news, so we're going to hook up to Sheribro and talk a little Ten of Swords, the newest crossover. <laughs> Wait, what? Um, for the X-Men. What do you mean crossover? Well, it appears to be an event where all the books are going to conjole, I guess, a little bit. And um, What do you guys think of this preview? Basically, we got the title and some art. What do you guys think? Are, are we actually supposed to have a legitimate opinion about this? What do you mean? I've got opinions. It's, I'm surprised it's you don't. All these characters just with swords. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, I don't get what the what is not getting it is an opinion. I think that is a a very accurate opinion. So I mean, okay, magic has a sword normally. Nightcrawler, that I see. I, you know, they just recently made you watch Apocalypse use one. I, I think that's um yeah. um. A Gorgon well, Cyclops is laser eye sword. That's a classic. Uh, obviously, laser eye sword. But 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 really, I mean, I I. Professor X has a sword. Now there is the whole tarot card element of it. Dane, what'd you think of like the tarot cards? Um, tarot. They were in House of X. What'd you think of that? Tarot. Tarot. Oh, tarot. Tarot card. Oh, man. Oh. I read a lot of books. Oh. I read a lot of books. I just don't talk Cut. to a lot of smart people. Take two. What a humble brag there. You're like, sorry, I read a lot. It's no, <laughs> it's an interesting concept. I'm willing to give it. The benefit of the doubt, I think, as we have been with most things, and I'm, I'm willing to be open and be surprised by it. But it, I'm not. It looks a lot like um, the fear itself, with sort of like the gimmicky Power Ranger outfits and everything. And so it just, it's oh be, yeah, those those outfits. Some of these are tough. Like, why is there like Storm with a Lightning, lightning sword? sword like like kelsey said like magic okay that makes sense uh nightcrawler that makes sense forge even sword. professor For- x forge. having the cerebro sword right. kind no of felt- that does not make sense <laughs> you know a man get- is a high high level telepath <laughs> and spent most of his life in a wheelchair he is you not try to outduel someone who knows what you're no. going to do before you do it no but like no. some but some of these on here are just like Iceman with just ice sword. Like, did I yeah. did I need that? I'm a big fan of Harpoon making an appearance. <laughs> like, why would I Harpoon? I thought it was Gorg or not Gorgon. Um, Forge. I think it's Harpoon, man. Okay. So, it's Harpoon. I just so, I thought all the metal leg. I the Harpoons to give away that it's Harpoon. <laughs> let's say Harpoon again. Like some of them don't make sense, but I'm at least moderate. I'm at least moderately intrigued by. You know what I mean? Like. Um, Cypher back there with the Warlock Blade. Like, that's kind of interesting. No, it's not. But some of them, like, armor with what looks like a, I don't know, like an armor butcher knife. Yeah, like, why? Like, you literally have a Japanese character who draws on her heritage as a, you know, a Japanese individual and her family roots and everything. It's like, but they're like, no, don't give her a katana. Give her this weird machete thing. 
like a butterfly knife. Like, why? I think those are all all valid complaints. Kelsey Hickman, has he earned your um has he hurt, earned your interest regardless of the silliness, or do you think this is a major turnoff that would stop you from reading it? It's it's just a cover, basically. So and maybe a cover before they even have a story. Like, yeah, I almost I'm, feel I'm like not, you got I'm a not pitch. Turn, like, like, let's put it this way. It's not like I'm not going to read it, but I do look at this and just go, uh, I mean, it also could just be alternative cover art, you know, for what's going on. This may have nothing to do with what they're about to do. Kelsey, I think he's got his harpoon in and now it's his time to reel you into the boat. <laughs> harpoon. Oh, harpoon. can he join? Dane, what'd you think of the name? The, uh, was it ten of swords? It's it's cool. It's a neat take on you know powers of ten, and it is kind of cool that they're bringing the the tarot theme in a little more. It's just the whole thing seems kind of gimmicky to me. Like I said, I think Hickman's done a lot, and he's earned the benefit of the doubt uh, in the overall. I think when you read the day, like House of X, powers of X slash ten were very clean reads. Like when I heard them announced and we didn't know his powers of 10, like I looked at those and it was like, this sounds cool. When I look at X of swords, I'm like, what, what's going on? <laughs> so once I realized the tarot, tarot card element of it was a, a part of it that helped me forgive it a little bit. And that it was 10 and not just, there's just part of it that X. feels like one of your students was like, what if all the X-Men had a sword? And then someone like, was like, yeah. like why the well, man Wolverine's... has swords in his fist. And I know I... he's used one before. I know the I thing know. is, well, Wolverine's is actually a sword in the Lords, the Muramasa that stops healing factor it. And he is, you know, for some reason in his con- convoluted backstory, a samurai. So that one, <laughs> Is he's, a little he's less like Batman. Batman egregious. What do you mean by convoluted? You mean dense and quality and rich? Then yes, I'm, I'm just. I saying, guess it is. Don't don't lambast me about uh, Phantom X when that exists. Wolverine's just had more time to flesh it out, and he has. Um, either way, I think we're we're all gonna read it. I think we're all excited. Like all jokes aside, making fun of it, it's like. Are you going to be this bad or are you going to surprise me with something new? And if Hickman showed me anything before, it's that he will surprise me. Any, any last thoughts on uh, X of Swords or Ten of Swords? I don't think it can be as cheesy as it looks from this one image. So I I, I don't think it can. I don't think Hickman will allow it. So I, I am, I say this a lot, but cautiously optimistic. I think that's fair. I think All right. Very it's, fair. Very fair. It's, it's time to prove our loyalty and enter the crucible where we discuss the rich history of the X-Men and build on it. Talk about what it means to the future and what we think about the X-Men universe this week. I'd like to discuss, you know, we brought up which characters are really working right now and benefiting from Donna X, which characters are showing up too much. And uh, is there, is there somebody we can pull back from and replace with somebody else? Anybody have a standout? Like who who's standing out to you right now? Storm. Is this everywhere unnecessarily? Storm. Storm. Why, why do you say storm? I. It's not that her being everywhere is a problem. It's that she's just not being used well. I think. I mean, she's been relegated to kind of a B role in everything. That's true. Not even a B role. Maybe a agree. C role. 
I mean, she she's just every almost every comic she's in, you can stop and go, eh, you really didn't need her in that. It's easy to forget her being in comics, but at the same time, she's in a ton of them. Yeah, I would agree. It's not necessarily a storm problem. Like if they announced that there was a storm solo series, I think I'd be more interested than in that than particularly any of her appearances in these other books. Yeah, yeah I'm not doing anything particularly fascinating in any of them. I wonder if part of it is just that Storm is a very likable core X-Men, and because she's not being used in a primary role, a lot of people are like, we need to give her more page time. And in doing so, it just kind of makes her fall flat. Like, she's in a lot, but not doing anything. That could be true. Yeah. Um. Apocalypse is somebody that showed up in a lot of books and we've kind of liked. Do you think he's borderline overused in? No. Oh, I'm sorry. You're asking. <laughs> no, you've got, if you've got a strong oh, opinion, go. If you got an opinion, go for no, it. No, I don't think he's overused. One, he's a central plot character through most of this arc, including from going back to Powers of Ten. Um, he seems to be reasonably well used other than that A sound symbol name change thing. Other than that... I mean, everything kind of makes sense where in the X-Men, he's been key for the islands kind of crashing into each other. Um, he has been key through Excalibur and in his kind of experiments in um, Avalon. And then, uh, oh gosh, which other ones was he in? Well, he, he now spares orphan puppies. Yeah, okay, let's let's wait for the recap, okay? <laughs> let's not deprive our listeners of such a solid story angle. I, I agree. I think Apocalypse is more interesting than he was as just a generic villain. So he yeah. he definitely falls in the he, benefiting it, from it. In a lot of ways, he is the like villain of Krakoa. You know what I mean? I know that there all of them are there and Sinister and Exodus and Mystique are on the council, but Apocalypse is sort of the I think the reflecting pool of what it means to be the reformed villain on Krakoa, along with to some me, other interesting he's, stories. He's now Wolverine in a lot of ways for me. Like the anti-hero thing? or what? Yeah, I think he, he like fills the role that Wolverine used to fill. Like Wolverine's a, almost a Boy Scout now. And Apocalypse wants ways. him to get off his lawn. <laughs> Similar, but I think the difference is, is that there is still some worry that Apocalypse would do something that's maybe... Maybe not betrayal, but perhaps more in his interest than it is in the interest of uh, another individual. Whereas I don't think Wolverine was ever set up as somebody who like could betray the group. I don't know. I go where I want to go. Yeah, oh, I, I guess. Yeah. But oh. Morph! <laughs> but that was... that Morph is a, the love of a teammate that he felt bad about. I don't yeah. feel like Apocalypse would have that Morph. And he loves his four horsemen. Mutants. Well, yes, I guess there is some Four Horsemen story that's still floating out there with the Second Island and the Summoner, but who knows when we'll get back to there. Anybody else stands out as a... We talked about Storm. Anybody else that you think maybe we could cool our heels on? I know you'll hate me for this, but Wolverine. Really? Yes. I just, I'm not saying he doesn't get overused. I'm just... Where, where I think he's seen that, that, that I, he's not overused, but maybe used improperly or where he's not adding to the story. I don't know that it's, I think it's different than storm, right? Because storm we said is on a lot of pages, but not, isn't doing much. And I think Wolverine is on a lot of pages and is doing a lot. And he has his own solo series that apparently got two issue. Number ones. I'm not saying that 
he's being used poorly or the stuff he's in is bad. It's just that there are so many characters available to use and, and ripe for being used. It's like, why do I need the, the classically overused mutant character in so much stuff? And I get it. It's because he sells. You don't want more of your old knucklehead? <laughs> Thank you. I, I would agree that I think you were fair enough to say that, like, this, the way the writers are writing him is great and he's being used well, but there are other characters that could could be doing the same thing and, and bringing more readers in. Like, this is my X-Men. I want to see him kind of thing. Yeah, I get it. Wolverine sells. He's an I- iconic look. And they are doing right by him. Like, he is an interesting character. He's being developed, you know, in kind of a new ways. It's like, what is Wolverine when he's in a world where he's safe and doesn't have to be Wolverine? So it's not that they're misusing him or using him poorly or incorrectly. It's just he's in a lot and there's I just think there's more room to grow for other characters. I, I I'm going to make that. an argument that I think you guys will be against. And mine, mine is Kate pride. Although I think like in Marauders well, she's overused now. She did. Well, but, but <laughs> is is she? Cause I'll, I'll okay, that's her. Yeah. She has, this is the first week I've read a book without Kate in it since she died. That's true. That's true. So like, I think, I think that could be a better story if I was missing her more. Yeah, I will say this, though. It does seem like she's actually going to stay gone for yeah. at least a bit. Well, in fairness, one could argue you did read a story with Kate in it and that, like, tainted green pod thing or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting. Um, I think she's a great character and Don of X has helped her. I will say, though, on the flip side, I think she's being overused right now to the detriment of her main book. That's probably fair. I think I'm just so in- intrigued by what she's become, something new so quickly and out of the gate that I'm maybe willing to overlook that. But I think that probably is fair. It's kind of similar, perhaps, to my Wolverine argument. Yeah. Okay. I, um, well, well, with you the, got something, Kelsey? As far as Kate's concerned, I don't notice her being overused, but part of that's due to... The comics, like, okay, X-Men Fantastic Four that she's in, it's just so bad to me that I, I've glossed over her being in them, really. Yeah. Like, I, I, I almost don't consider them part of our regular reading. Yeah. I mean, she showed up in X-Force. She showed up in Wolverine. Yeah, so dropping she's been in stuff several off. books. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this week's issues. X-Men! X-Men! This is a day! This is a day! large part of marauders number nine and in this issue emma frost and bishop discover and stop the spying by the young hellfire club on krakoa um the hellfire club is spying through the use of their agent yellow jacket who has embedded himself in the bloodstream of pyro and is reading his mind um through the use of emma frost telepathy they discover him and a guest appearance by magneto they're able to extract yellow jacket submarine from pyro's body Going a step forward, Emma telepathically projects Pyro to the Hellfire Club and lets him telepathically unleash his vengeance and torture upon the Hellfire Club. Finally, Emma Frost and Bishop visit the Five and Professor X and discover that resurrection for Kitty seems to not be an option. Did this story um, resonate for you guys? Did you like what they did here, taking a break from some of the other stories and really addressing Yellow Jacket? 
Um, Yellow Jacket was good. I, I like kind of the way they dealt with them. Um, the it, it was kind of interesting to watch Emma put the uh, Vivendi, Vivendi, I don't whatever. Yeah. Uh, put them kind of in their place. I mean, basically saying it's like, yeah, this is cute. You guys are playing at Hellfire Club. That's great. So you know, here's your warning. And then, you know, kind of cast aside, which I would be okay if they left it at that. Because as villains, I don't care for the Viverendi. Oh, they're not leaving it at that. They're back. They're I 100% don't care. Yeah, I know they are. I just I just wish they wouldn't. Um, Dane? Oh, sorry. Keep going. No, yeah, go. Well, I was going to say, Dane, did you like this Emma Frost-centric issue? Yeah, I did. It wasn't maybe the best issue maybe i just hold marauders to a higher standard but it was it was cool it was fun um there were a lot of neat interesting points seeing emma use you know her powers in some kind of interesting ways like keeping sort of pyro's mind occupied so that way uh yellow jacket can't get any information and then the way well, that she contacts i think you Bishop take at the same time if you take this issue out of Marauders and launch Emma Frost solo series number one, I thought this was a great issue. Yeah, it was. It was a good development for um, Emma as well. It was neat to see. Uh, it was just, it, they did some things in some very interesting ways. The characters yeah. in interesting ways. So and she I got, enjoyed. She got it. the black pretty hard this issue. Yeah, yeah, really putting Verendi in its place in a lot of ways. Like, hey man, you guys are playing the game as a kid. This is what I've done, and I'm done doing it. So drop it. I like the balance of humility she had as far as like how she'd drop the ball with Kate, but then also like kind of reminded you that like, yeah, yeah, I'm humble, but like you guys are peons compared to me. <laughs> yeah. It's it it does a very good job of showing you who Emma is and moving Emma forward. I really liked the sort of voiceover pages talking to you know, her sort of talking to herself about how much Kate means to her. I think that we've kind of gotten like the witty banter of that in the past, but really getting into the mind of Emma and what that relationship means. Kelsey, were you excited to see uh, everybody's favorite purple dragon uh, seem to make an appearance at the end? I'm interested to see what where they go with it, like if he's going to go find her or something like that. Which yeah, he looked like he was on a mission. Yeah. Um, uh you know, I like Bishop a lot in this. Yeah. Um, it was kind of nice to see him get some some character time. And, you know, he saw his room. Always I, important. I think that I made a big note of that because I thought that picture of him sitting in his, like, apartment or whatever was yeah. so cool. Just all the stuff about it. Got his records. Records on the shelf, man. Yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got like, the gun, like, the gun display case. The mm-hmm. neat sort of the X dual poster in the background that he just has like a gun <laughs> propped up against his couch is really and cool. Lava lamp. I like yes, the, the lava lamp. But then also seeing the way that like the architecture of Krakoa works in the homes. That he has yeah. like a you know a tree top roof and like a mushroom sticking out of his walls mm-hmm. and like these like live coffee tables. It was just really neat for a lot of reasons. So we'd be amiss if we didn't bring up the fact of the resurrection and how Kate was immune to that. What'd you guys make of that? Kelsey, what'd you think? Uh, that they weren't able to resurrect her. I'm glad they kind of uh, 
explored that because we've been wondering about it for a little bit that, you know, okay, so you can't travel through the, through the portals. Maybe they can't resurrect you either. And it seemed like a big thing to sort of hedge your bet on if you're, if you're Shaw. Because yeah, that you can't like, bring oh, her he, back. He, yeah, it's like, I just don't think you'll co- you'll be able to come back. It's like, how, how do you, how, how is that, how is that a thought that you're willing to gamble that on? But, <laughs> right, that it's like, like, if if she can and she comes back and she's just like, that guy tried to kill me. It's kill like, me. Well, yeah, you got to three, day, three days later. Like, there you go. I thought it was interesting, A, that they, that they brought it up. It's nice to actually have it addressed. Yes. But then also the fact that we now kind of have an answer that it doesn't work. And maybe more importantly, they don't know why they you know don't I mean? know. And can, like, could it be affecting more than just, just her? her? Like, it, or, you know, could, could, could someone be resurrected? And then after that, you know, you know, maybe something changes and they can't be not all of them, but you know, who's, who's to say you can always be resurrected. It's that's a really telling page that you a you have like the five sitting around looking perplexed and dejected that they can't do it. And then that that panel where Emma just has this like panic and fear on her face and Xavier just takes her by the shoulder and he's like basically tells her we have no idea what's going on. Yeah, which is scary because it seems like they have everything else solved. Well, Professor X, to be fair, though, has been proven to be less than a reliable narrator of what's going on. Do you mean that in the sense that, like, he maybe doesn't, he's not as strong or knowledgeable as he projects? Or do you think that he's I'll keeping? just say this. Mystique don't trust him, and neither do I. <laughs> what? Do, so are you saying you think him. Xavier knows what's wrong, but he's not telling? I I, I don't want to say anything, because, like, who knows, like, what's really going on. But a part of me, and I, I'm a big, I'm almost the conspiracy theorist of Krakoa. Like, but I, I want to <laughs> say that. It seems weird that Kitty doesn't work on like the going through portals and can't be resurrected. Like those are two things in isolation. Like one of them not working, you know, that makes well, sense. One's, one's involves both Koa and the second one involves five, five. working in conjunction. Yeah, completely independent of like like you could do that hypothetically based on what we know in New York. At the old X mansion, well, just as easily as you could do at Krakoa. Maybe that's true because there's nothing that's been given to us in the rules about needing Krakoa. But if you notice, all the pods appear to grow in a very like organic, plant based way out of Krakoa. So you are right; like they've never said Krakoa is a requirement of it. But it it seems a little entwined or entangled. Well, if if that's the case. You've got your reasoning. Like, Krakoa somehow rejects phasing or something. Something like those phasing mutants. Mm-mm, not doing but it. Get the phasers Even in the out. island nation, there are limits. So, something with that. Like, there is something there, though. Like, something with Kate doesn't work with Krakoa. I can buy that. But otherwise, I mean, like, we're dealing with one of the smartest beings on the planet in Professor X. Well, and, here's... like, two problems? He can't solve one of them? Here's something that I'll I'll bring up because it has been hinted that obviously Krakoa is feeding off of psychic energy. It has some kind of connection psychically to the people involved. And we know that Krakoa is doing something as far as like in the minds of its residents of mutants. Because Nightcrawler mentions that specifically about how that church from the last X-Men issue 
felt like it was just somebody pulled the design out of my head. Like this yeah, is exactly what I would have made. What if Krakoa knows somehow, or somebody, maybe it's not Krakoa, maybe it's Xavier, knows somehow that Kate is a long-term problem. Like that the precogs, you know, that's been a big issue too, that the precogs have maybe determined Kate is the downfall of what Krakoa is. And it's like, we don't want her here as much as we can. And if she dies, maybe we just hold off on bringing her back. Well, I, I've got something along that thought. It's more like a sideways, but also say there are two people who are seem the most in charge of everything going on. Who would you say those two people are? That seem the most. Apocalypse? I'd say if you narrow them to like apocalypse is up there, but to me, it's Professor X and Magneto. Yeah, I don't think Magneto has as much to do with stuff as, as he thinks. Well, maybe, maybe you're right, but there are two people that are wearing helmets all the time, and one of them we know for sure blocks telepathic influence. Yes. I, I don't know. I just think like those two are constantly wearing helmets, and the only time you see them without it is when they leave Krakoa to go to the summit, and then you see Professor X finally take off his helmet. But anytime he's back, he has it on. And I think know, that's interesting. That's true. They may, those two together may be up to something as far as the nation itself is concerned and knowing the future. And I think Apocalypse stuff is side to that. Like, he kind of knows what's going on, but is doing his own agenda. Yeah, oh, 100%. His, his own agenda, which is deeper. I think he'll admit that. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I think basically who Xavier is, he's shifted a little more towards the Magneto spectrum. Maybe Magneto has come a little closer to Xavier. Kill no man. Being right. The only he's like, okay, well, I'll play by the rules sort of thing. But he's... Kill I, no man. Looking at, like, the old way of thinking, Magneto certainly won. He's certainly pulled Xavier closer to him oh, than yeah. Xavier has pulled Magneto. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, you're exactly right. Then Apocalypse is like, well, I've got this position of power. I'm going to use it, and I will not lie to you. You're not going to like the way I'm doing it. So I'll say this. It's everywhere I want. <laughs> this kind of conversation is what I love about Don of X, the bigger scope yeah. things. And I, as much as Marauders failed on giving us that personal character with Kate that we love as the leader of the team. Um, and when I say fail, I mean, chose this. I think one great thing I like about this issue is it did bring up these questions, which I always enjoy. I think it won the week. Yeah. <laughs> well, we wouldn't. We can't say it one the week without talking about the competition. So, yeah, Dane, what happened in Excalibur number eight? Hey, D- Dane, you sure you don't want me to recap this one? Uh, I'm gonna try and do it some justice. So, Excalibur right. number eight. Uh, Excalibur settles their differences with Cullen Bloodstone over. All right, I'm bored. Kelsey, recap. That's it. Go. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. All right, Danny. Let me translate. You want to elaborate? Let me translate. Let me put on my cipher hat. Uh, Excalibur settles their differences with Cullen Bloodstone over dinner. Richter catches Cullen on a suspiciously anti-mutant phone call, which ends with Cullen kissing Richter. Richter wants to leave, but Betsy wants to play by the rules. Eventually, Betsy realizes maybe it doesn't matter, and the group heads out to collect the Warwolf skulls they need, but they decide to use their powers anyway. Cullen isn't happy with this, but he's quickly dispatched, and Excalibur finds themselves with a baby war wolf they refuse to kill, and Betsy convinces Apocalypse of the same. 
the issue wraps up with Rachel Summers taking the Warwolf Pup and a tiny ad for X Factor number one coming up. Yeah, I like mine. Better. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> they both uh, bring a certain, you know, uh, panache to the to the podcast. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that this is their favorite series, and I think it has a you have? pretty diverse who, who cast. I, I what, have. What people? I, I have. It's been surprising to me. Um, I think it has a lot of personal moments for like, um, you know, we got to see Richter this week and we got to see um, Gambit. And some of these characters are classic. Did you guys enjoy this most recent storyline or the last storyline? Last one. What do you mean being the last one? Well, I, I would say that this was like a two issue kind of like rock. Do you think it's going to go further? maybe Cullen comes back, but I don't think there's much more to this story. And it's certainly, I think this story as a whole fell a little flat for me. I, I would agree. Was there any characters that you were missing that you want to see them focus on next time? I mean, I think the most interesting two characters of this whole story are Betsy and Apocalypse. And Apocalypse had, I don't know, they... And they both kind of had parts, but it just kind of felt like not a lot really happened in general. I I do feel like that's one of the problems for me personally, is that if they took half the cast of it, I'd probably be more into the book. Yeah, and it's, which is kind of unfortunate, you know, that I just spent the first half of this episode saying we need to make room for more of these characters. And now I'm like, <laughs> okay, we could cut like four people off this team and I'd be okay. But it's just... I I don't know. It just I've defended this I think more than either of, of you two guys early on, but this 100%. is just it's just not great. Like I said, not a lot happened. And I think the thing that bothered me the most about it that was most egregious was the dinner table scene. Because first off it's like, okay, so he attacked you, but now we just resolve this with dinner. Okay, like I guess. But the thing that was it, it tried to have a message at the, the table, like about, you know, a general progressive message of, you know, accepting people for who they are as, uh, you know, and mutants. But it, I don't know, this part just fell flat and it felt like it set back everything else that they were like, what do you mean? We can't stop being mutants. And it's like, well, he never, Cullen didn't even say that. He just kind of said, don't use powers. And so it just, it felt like a big deal out of something that wasn't where they have done this so well so many times, getting the message across. Yeah, I I think they have some... There's some strengths to this comic, and there's some um, areas to grow. I think more focus... I mean, I don't think you need to cut anybody out, but, like, focus... Like, this is a storyline where it's mainly Rogue and Apocalypse, or this is a storyline where it's mainly Captain Britain being the leader and doing her thing. It's something that could benefit from. These, these two issues... Felt like they had a quota to fill and they had to, you know what I mean? Like they had to yeah. get two issues in and somebody was like, uh, I got that, that wow fetch quest. We'll throw it in there. Uh, and then they'll take a baby one home and that'll show up again later. And I'll give them credit. Yeah. Like the villain choice was neat. Yeah. It's a unique choice. And they brought in, you know, one of a cast of characters that you can be like, Oh, I remember that guy or, you know, look back into him. But Overall, they just didn't do anything with it. And Cullen just got whipped both times he tried to fight him. Yeah. Yeah, for, you know for a guy I mean? who's, you know, got this interdimensional demon in him. 
Like, how do you bring him back as a villain when literally Rogue just tackles him? It and was, they're like, well, just, won that fight. This 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 issue was just so, so flat. And it almost confused itself, it seemed. Yeah. It just, like Dane was talking about the dinner scene, where it's like, I, I thought you guys were already going at it. You know, the sudden stop, it's like, oh, I just didn't want you guys to use your powers. That's why I assaulted you. Yeah, one of the things I find with this book is it's got too many panels, but it feels like it's missing panels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, that's fair. Yes, a lot, a lot of panels. Like that's a ton going on, but you're also going. Where was the one in between this to explain why this is happening? That's there, not a that's not a good sign for a comic when it feels like there's too much, but there's nothing happening. I I did have trouble with Apocalypse at the end being like, yeah, you know what? I'll find a way around it with this with this, you know, war wolf that you were also supposed to kill. But yeah, whatever. Cool. I'll figure it out. I will say th- that's actually one of the few parts <laughs> I think I really liked about this issue was that at least hinting at the fact that Betsy is sort of maybe almost doesn't care about the war wolf all that much, but kind of use it as a test for apocalypse. You know what I mean? Like, are you willing to back off of your regular disposition to show yourself as a team player? Like, I sort of like oh, that. Okay. that. She's that she's willing to put Apocalypse on the spot and to be like, look, we are a team. And in a lot of ways, I'm in charge of this team. Are you going to do what I'm telling you to do? Okay. And yeah, so I like that, that A, it does show Apocalypse with a little give and take. Maybe he's got a bigger plan. He's just going to kill that puppy later anyway. But also that Betsy's willing to take the position of like, no, 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 no. You need to do what I'm telling you to do. I'm the Which is kind of cool. I don't care about this dog, but right i'm I'm gonna use it right like i I, if if it comes back that apocalypse has a plan for this dog and he's just gonna slaughter it later great that seems very apocalypse to me but i just like the idea that betsy's willing to stand up to apocalypse Mm. well she should be more wise next time (laughs) luckily he was in a merciful mood but then like rachel (laughs) taking the dog also doesn't i don't know and then, I, I, Kelsey, you and I talked about this before. Can we talk about the fact that there was a moment where Betsy was going to make Jubilee, like, decapitate oh, a pretty yeah. humanoid-looking animal thing? Yeah. That she was like, all right, well, speak, your turn. By the way, it, it's a sentient creature. Right. Like, they talk about how they yeah, can they normally talk. Yeah, they explicitly show that they're intelligent. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, it just Which seems like a fair, they're also Hey, it's food. murder, no man, Okay. Does, does does anything about that feel like Betsy to you though? Where she was like, if you know, like that rite of passage, like, well, you got you got to kill the animal, you kill it, uh, you got to bring eat its it. Liver. I'll do it this time. I will decapitate it this time. But keep your sword on you because I'm going to make you do it. <laughs> like, what was that about? Yeah, keep, I, well, getting getting Jubilee ready for for um, ten of swords. <laughs> That's a very good point. You better have a sword on you. She mm-hmm. didn't make the cover. Add another one. The Eleven of Swords. No, there's yep. 20 people on that cover. It'd be 21. Firework swords? Oh, God. Don't say it. They might be listening. <laughs> Kelsey, if there's a firework sword, you're it to blame. <laughs> oh, well, there's a firework you know, sword. I want some of the profit. That'll one doesn't it. get better at using swords from cutting off werewolf's heads. One gets better using swords through the fires of the danger room. And it is time to return to the danger room after a few weeks off.
guys. 20 questions. They have 20 questions, yes or no, to try and figure out what the person, place, or thing from the Marvel Universe is. And this week is no different. Whenever you guys are ready. Is it character? Yes. So it's not going to be terror cards. <laughs> all right, um, all right, all right. Is it a man? Yes. Is it a mutant? No. Is it associated with the X-Men? No. Is it a villain? Um, We're going to go with uh, sometimes. Okay, that's fair. This is comic books. Is it galactic level? Ah, uh, no. Do they have power? Okay, but you just said it's comics. The quintessential <laughs> form of this man, as we've said, is not galactic level. <laughs> Asterix on that answer. <laughs> the quintessential form of this man. <laughs> That's why we have this podcast, baby. <laughs> Remember that one time we did Crimson Dynamo and there were two people with the same name with yeah. Flash and Crimson Dynamo? Like, I think that explains itself in the sense that, like, I'm not going to apologize for saying in the quintessential form, he's not cosmic level. Uh, do they have powers? Yes. Uh, are there powers well, in the quintessential? F- yes, yes, they have powers. We're natural okay. in nature. Are they supernatural in nature? Oh, um, yeah. Okay. I have a guess. Who do you think it is? Ghost Rider. Do they ride a motorcycle? No. Well, I've never seen it. Okay. Okay, the quintessential form of them. Supernatural powers, man, not a villain. Well, no, is sometimes sometimes a villain. A villain. Sometimes a villain. Um Do they have any disabilities? Uh no. Are they known for being on a team? No. Have they been on a team? Um, I would say Yes, they they have, but not. I'll, I'll tell you this: not one that you guys would know. No, not one that you guys would know. Do they use a physical weapon? No. Physical weapon being like a uh, sword an item. Or, yeah. No. Not a mutant. Are they closely associated with their country of origin? Uh, yeah, I would say yes. And that's that's 10 questions for us here. That's 10? That's what I got. 
God, I feel like we've asked like 30. I have 14. Oh, really? You guys burned through them. I, I had 10, but maybe maybe not. So closely related with the country of origin. Yeah. Well, kind of. Are okay. they... <laughs> Do they have anything or any tie to vampires? No. That was a very bold no. I feel like that no had a wink behind it. <laughs> but he's like, they are a vampire. They are not tied to vampires. Like with rope. <laughs> that caught me way more than it should have. All right, non-vampiric, Kelsey. Yeah, okay. So, Blade's out, huh? Yeah. Moon Knight's out. Yep. Because he uses nunchucks. Exactly. And the West Coast Avengers are a team we would know, so... I know he wouldn't insult us with that. <sighs> Supernatural in origin. Not vampires. It's a man. It's a man. The quintessential man not Morbius. is not galactic level, which means at some point somewhere they are galactic level. I mean, there are times when they obtain power, or maybe they like got a hold of a affinity stone or something. Are they earthbound? What What do you mean by earthbound? Do Do most of their adventures take place on the terrestrial planet of Earth? I I would say so. Yeah. I'll I'll say this: the earthbound is loosely an insult to this character. Ooh. I'll, I'll even go one step further because I'm so sure you're not going to get it. This character was in Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Is a character not as a playable character? Is the character demonic in nature? I would say no. Man, I'm I'm pretty stumped, Dane. Hmm. Are you going through your Google filters? No, I'm just trying to think. I know I haven't either. Definitely even... not a vampire. What the hell? Why do you do that again? A man, not Earthbound. Definitely not a vampire. Yeah, Def- definitely. Not vampires. Yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't know what he's running his mouth about. We got. We got one giving up. Where you at, Dan? You giving up? How many? Wait. How many questions we have left? Because I mean, so answer. Ask question. It's my question, isn't it? Yeah. Um. We have three left. I show. Mm, sometimes been a bad guy. No Definitely disabilities. No disabilities. Supernatural oriented powers. (sighs) 
said they're featured in Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Let me, they're let me they're in it. Featured's a strong word. They're okay. They're in it <laughs> in Marvel Ultimate yeah. Alliance. They're in Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Would you? All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you mind if I steal one, Kelsey? Yes. No, I don't mind. Would Would you consider the character to be like two parts? Yeah. How do you mean, Dane? Like, I don't know. I was starting to think potentially something like Venom. I guess he's not really supernatural, but you know what I mean? Like he that's is like, now. He is? Technically speaking, because it's like a god. Well, that would be a sometimes uh, non-demonic. You know what? You might be right. Hold on. Non-demonic, on Earth, non-vampire. Venom starts with a V. I don't know if that's what he's getting at. Doesn't I use a go. weapon. He's been... Yeah. He can be on teams. I don't know about tied to a country of origin. Like maybe the planet. US? New York City. <laughs> so what or if it's Flash Thompson. No, we have two. And well, one of them is our guess. So I don't know. You want to ask if they have a symbiote? Do they have a symbiote? Traditionally, no. <laughs> Traditionally, no. I, I would say no. Not a vampire, though. No. Traditionally, no. Kelsey, I got nothing. You you want to throw uh, a guess up there? Dude, you can't really ask that question anymore. In Marvel, you kidding me? You telling me that there's a character that hasn't somehow had a symbiote at some point? I say it's Jack O' Lantern. I'm going with Howard the Duck. All right. Neither of those guesses are correct. I thought for sure it was Howard. <laughs> This character appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number one. This character... Green Goblin? ...is not a vampire. He's the enemy of vampires. It's Blade, isn't it? No. Okay. The, who, who is a, a vampire's biggest Oh, enemy? Van Helsing? No, a werewolf. He's a werewolf. A so wolf. It's John Jameson, the man-wolf. The man-wolf. Oh my god. Yeah, John Jameson. What was the team we don't know? Uh he was on he's currently on Agents of Wakanda. And apparently he's been a member of the Symbiote Task Force. Oh my god. Which caused me to hesitate and like saying like has he wore a symbiote? I'm like, I don't think so. But he's on the task force. Yeah, and also the Earthbound thing, he's like famous for being an astronaut. Oh. Like he's human. But he's famous for being an I'll say this. I don't think we were ever going to get there, but these were oh. some interesting questions. Yeah. Well, it's, we'll get it. not a time. vampire. Definitely Maybe. not a vampire. So, werewolves, uh, I thought uh, a werewolfy kind of character would be a fun way of uh, doing it. So, that just about wraps it up for this week's uh, episode of the Examination Podcast. Make sure you check us out next week. We'll have more issues to go over. And any questions or thoughts you have on Don of X, make sure to give us a shout on Twitter or email at examination. All right. Thank you for your guys' uh, time. That's it. Everyone go buy a bunch of swords. Get ready. Swords. At least 10. Katanas. Daggers. Knives. No knives. Later. All swords. Yep. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. 
We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.blogspot.com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.